This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 22 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm your host Ben and as ever I'm joined by my man Gary. How are we doing man? I'm doing very, very well mate. We've got to, we've got to be really uh, on it today haven't we? We've got to be a lot happier than we were last time out. Yeah it seemed, it seemed a bit low energy last week. I think that's the uh, the, the right, the, the nice way to put it. I think uh, we're yeah. both, I think post Christmas blues was the, the um the, the the reasoning for it, I guess, and it was, uh, yeah, it was just yeah, we were just mis- a, we were just miserable bastards, Ben. Just miserable yeah, bastards. You know, I mean, that's what we were. Yeah, there's that as well. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I'm I'm delighted to say that you you massively changed your tune on uh, Saturday evening, didn't you? I'm a proper hypocrite, mate. Me. Um, <laughs> no, do you know I I wasn't feeling it. And I got mm-hmm. in a pub beforehand at Everton and, I, you know, everyone was around and every, there was a lot of excitement. And I just don't know why. I didn't buy into it. I didn't buy into the whole FA Cup thing. I get the magic of the cup. Mm. But I think Arsenal stung me a bit because we went on this fantastic day out in inverted commas. Got spanked 5-0 and people coming away enthusing about it like, oh, it's a great day. No, it weren't. We got beat 5-0. It's never a good day. It's ridiculous. It's like mm. saying you had a good day because you had a nice day walking across the Lake District when someone kicked your dog to death halfway around there. It's not a good day. <laughs> you know, doesn't matter. Um, and then after 15 minutes, you know, I thought I was justified and I wasn't feeling smug about that. I'm not one of these people that wishes Lincoln bad, so I can go, I told you so. Um mm. And I thought we were going to get trounced, mate, to be honest. I really did. Yeah. My old man turned to me when Bernard scored that delicious chip and he mm. said, this could get embarrassing. And yeah. it didn't, though, did it? No, and I think that was the same thing that uh, there was a bit of a, a ripple that went through the fans when that uh, when that second goal went in. And it, I mean, it was a beautiful goal. And I, I don't think you can really take anything away from either of, uh, you know, of, of the Everton goals. I think they were, they showed why they're in the Premier League. Um the the one thing that I would say that I actually said to to my wife at the time um, was that we weren't marking Leighton Baines out of the game, and Leighton Baines is a very 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 good left back or you know left sided player, um, and it you know it kind of proved 
pretty quickly afterwards that he, he put the cross in, which led to the opener. Um, but after that, like you say, that it was a wonderful, wonderful goal for the second one. Just dinked it over, uh, dinked it over Josh Vickers, and then after that. I think it was Freck that said after the game, you know, they they, they got into the centre circle or they, they all got together and they just said, look, we've got nothing to lose now. Let's have a go at them. Um, and I just wonder if there was a little air of maybe being overawed by the experience at the at the start. I don't think, um, I mean, well, from from the Arsenal day, I think there was probably, what, Reedy in the team and that was it. Um, I don't know whether that would have played a part or not, but I, I just think they maybe gave them a little bit too much respect in the first 15 minutes. And then after that, they said, ah, oh, sod it, let's just have a go at them. And they did. And I said on the podcast last week, and I said beforehand that as long as we don't get embarrassed, I'll be happy and I'll be all right. And I think we did the furthest thing possible from embarrass ourselves on, on Saturday. I think it was um, an excellent performance and we were one decent corner away at the end, maybe from, uh, from, nicking a draw and bringing them back to the bank um i mean i know you said you weren't feeling it at all but i i read the uh, i read your blog post about the day and everything and it it summed up essentially what was a lot of people's feelings i guess um uh if you want to go into that and elaborate a little bit more because i know it was it it just changed your opinion completely didn't it yeah you see it wasn't about the cup tie and it wasn't about the result it was about our our set of players and our management and how they react to certain things and when you go down 2-0 to Premier League side packed full of talent, you know, 50 million Richarlison. Uh, I think Andre Gomez was, was 30 million euros when Barcelona bought him. I know he only came on, but you know, you've got Zuma at the back. You had the, uh, the Colombian lad is Mera or I can't think what his name is now. Yerry Mina. Mm-hmm. You know, they named a strong side. This wasn't Everton's kids. This was Everton's first team mm-hmm. bar, maybe three or four players. Um, we could have been embarrassed. Rotherham were embarrassed. Burton Albion were embarrassed. Tranmere have been embarrassed. That could have been us. And mm. what our lads did, they fought and they battled. And it's not about going through in the FA Cup. I didn't expect that. Um, by the way, I don't think they were overawed by the experience because the Goodison atmosphere was was flat. Yeah, it was flatter than a hedgehog that's been run over by a HGV truck. It was just... <laughs> um, but the, yeah, it was just that confidence that... You know they went toe to toe with them, and okay, Everton were a lot better. Let's not know that. You know, okay, it was two one, but Everton were a lot better than us. When they got the ball, they held the ball, they spread it around, they probed. But we were tight. I think we sat off Baines to a degree for a reason. I think we didn't want to get drawn. We didn't want to get pulled into the wide areas and create space in the channels for the likes of Bernard to be, to expose, which he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we wanted to stay tight, compact, you know, kind of almost stand all around the goal with our shields out and go, come on then. Uh, but when we yeah. attacked, we did well. John Akindi was superb. He held the ball mm-hmm. well, and he was being marked by £40 million worth of, of talent either side of him. Um, yeah. And it was just when that final whistle went, and, I, and I'm going to go over the corner because at the end of the day, for me, it was that that's not an issue. You know, we take bad corners, we take good corners, oh, yeah. stuff happens. Um, but when that yeah, final I was, just, whistle, I was being a bit facetious with that, to be honest. It was yeah, being, no, you know, I don't. <laughs> I understand it. Look, Shane McCartan felt that he had to come out and apologise for it. So, uh, you know what I mean? Um, but it was when that whistle went and you just stood there and you thought, actually, what I've just seen there is not a League Two team um, as such. It's not a League Two performance. You know, we went toe-to-toe. Tactically, we had a game plan. We stuck mm-hmm. to it when we went 2-0 down. Um, every single man fought for his life throughout the game. And the result was never really in doubt. 
But the fact mm. is that I, I, I personally, I'm not. I'm going to stop short of saying we stop short of saying we were brilliant because if we were brilliant, we would have won the game. But I thought we were excellent to a man, and I think uh, it gives us a great amount of confidence going forward in this season. Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, the the way that um, the way that the team set out, as you say, after you know, after we go two 0 down, there was as I said, that that like ripple that went through the crowd, and we we kind of, I think we kind of started to go a little bit flat as a group of fans, but not for long because oh, there's a story that I need to tell you about in a few minutes about that. But um, the just the way that everybody kind of bought into it and and it was it, the atmosphere was incredible like I, I turned to I turned to a couple of people and I was actually sat behind uh, someone that I've known gone to the games with for years and years and years by chance and I sort of said to him at the uh, you know at the start this is just this is electric like you say it was flat in general um the the Everton side I well you you said about it in the in the in the blog piece, and obviously, we'll uh, we'll come on to your uh, your appearance on a, a large national radio station shortly as well. Um, but there was obviously the big talk about the Goodison roar, and I didn't feel it at all. I didn't, I, I didn't notice it. I think there was one moment where, well, two moments. They you know they scored, their fans stood up and cheered for about five seconds, and then they sat back down again, and that was about it. And we as a collective were it was it was an electric atmosphere i don't like using that phrase because it's you know it's a bit cliched but honestly i was sat there with a grin on my face after about 25 minutes just going this is one of the best atmospheres that i've experienced on an away day as a lincoln fan and it's a game that we all know we're going to lose but we're you know we're sat here as a, a bank of five and a half thousand fans who are enjoying the moment in this at the minute and it's it, it was fantastic i loved it um but I, the the stories that i've been hearing the stories that people have told me um a friend or colleague of my wife um is an everton season ticket holder and he has been for about four years now and he spoke to her after the game um and said to her that that was the loudest group of fans that they have ever seen at uh, at Goodison in the four years that he's been there, and that includes all four Liverpool uh, Liverpool Everton derbies that wow. he's been to as well. And the the vast majority of the comments after the fact um, from Everton fans and from you know neutrals that saw the game through slightly dodgy means or whatever anything like that, it was all incredibly positive, and it, it really did make me feel proud to be wearing the red and white on on Saturday. Um I don't know if that's yeah, that, yeah. if if that's kind of the the feeling that you got as well. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I, I didn't really stand and think about it a lot to be honest. I was just part of it. Um and I, I know that might sound a bit twee. I, I didn't for one minute kind of stand and look around and go, "Wow." And it, it was, you know, I just kind of got swept away with it, which I didn't expect to. Um but you know, let's let, let's retain some focus. It was an FA Cup tie that we lost. Um and you know, yeah. as, as I, I get your points, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from your points, but when we got home and the dust was settled on Monday, um, you know, we've got to take the positives away on the pitch. I never expected anything less. I did, um, Goodison is a, is mm. a ground that lends itself 
uh, to vocal support. You wouldn't know it from the home support, but it, it, it does. And the way that we were positioned, I mean, I heard songs breaking out to the left of me, to the right of me, um, and there were different songs. And at the time, it, you know, it all sounded, it was just, yeah, it was, it was good. It was incredible, but it needed to be. There was 5,500 of us. And, you know, yeah. we were all there to sing. And the typical thing for me, as I said, uh, thinking my blog at half time was when we all sat down because we'd been stood up and they all stood up because they'd been sat down. And it kind of, I know that that's an away and a home thing and it happens all over. But for me, it was very, um, you know, it was very poignant. It was something that almost, you know, it was the Premier League generation against real football fans. And it was embodied in that, that whole kind of few minutes. But um but yeah, it, you know, it was what it was. We come away. We'll, we'll always talk about Everton. I, I said that I wasn't looking forward to it. I stuck by that right the way up to kick off and then um, thoroughly enjoyed it. So, you know, everyone else was right and I was wrong. Fair play. <laughs> but um, let's, before we, before we move on to the weekend, let's just talk about um, what happened on, uh, on Friday. Uh, when you, I think it's fair to say, absolutely uh, eviscerated Mr. Mike Parry live on radio. Did I? I think you did. I thought it was fantastic. Um, is that right? I, I had a lot more actually because there was a point <laughs> where he said he said uh, that they were going to turn Goodison something uh, into something for the community, and I was trying to say a littles, but I couldn't get it out. Um, <laughs> and because they, it, I didn't expect that. I'll be honest. I don't listen to the two mics. I don't really listen to talk sports. Nothing derogatory, but I just feel that national radio won't don't serve Lincoln City in any way whatsoever, and they don't serve League One and League Two in any way whatsoever. Um, and their show embodied that. It was comedy. Some people don't get that. Yeah. Comedy is very, very gentle. Let's be honest. It's not what I would call comedy, but they wanted me to go on there. They were going to take the piss out of me for ten minutes, and then off I go again. I wasn't going to have that. So, I, <laughs> you know, I was a little tired though, Ben. If I'm honest. Um, yeah, I mean, 10 it, to 11. <laughs> I'll be honest, it, it was just, it, it was just really good listening back to it because it was one of those moments where, yes, we know Mike Parry's an Everton fan. Yes, we know that he's going to take the piss out of a, you know, little non-league team, but it was... Um, non-league? I, sorry, not, not... Well, he obviously thinks we're non-league is, you know, sort of yeah. what I'm... Il, yeah, Ill-informed Bellet, <laughs> not you, Mike Parry. Yes, yeah, absolutely, and it was. Uh, there goes my invite back onto the show. Eh? <laughs> Sorry, Ben, I'm going to cut you off, mate. <laughs> I just realised that. Sorry, Talksport. No, that... <laughs> no, that's fine. It, it was just one of those moments where I was sat there listening to it, going, "I, yeah, I, I kind of can't believe that what what they're saying." I mean, obviously, there was talk beforehand of you know. The, the, getting the getting the Cowley's names wrong and saying they were cousins and all, and then they were twins and all the rest of it. You think, uh, yeah, all right, fair enough. It's like you say, it's comedy in inverted commas. But then when you're talking to somebody about stuff, and it was just the way that when he said, oh, it's got to be the biggest the biggest crowd to ever leave Lincoln in a single go, hasn't it? And you just shot back immediately with, yeah, we took 9,000 to the Emirates. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot I about Wembley, to- didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall um, at that moment, because I just just have this picture of Mike Perry sat there looking like he's been slapped across the face with a shoe, just going, "What just happened?" Good, like it was. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend listening to the whole podcast, but certainly for the first uh, or for the, I think it was between about like ten and twenty-five minutes in the podcast that they put up. It's uh, yeah, it's um, it's well worth uh, well worth a listen just to just to hear uh, Gary take him apart, but. Uh, and there we go. So 
Anything you want to add to, to the experience that you had? No, not at all. No, like I say, it was an experience and uh, I keep saying it. I don't do football for experiences. I do it to watch my team win and we lost. Um, so although I will always remember it, I think we've covered it sufficiently enough without, we don't want to fawn over it too much. There's a bigger task at hand, isn't there? Absolutely. And that task, um, it's, uh, it does start again on Saturday with a trip to Swindon Town. Now, uh, Swindon is a ground that we've sort of had relatively decent look within the past couple of outings. I think we've sneaked 1-0 wins last couple of times we've been there. Um, obviously, the last time was with, uh, with, with Sean Raggett getting the goal. And previous to that, I think it was it Jamie Forrester that scored the last time out. It's me that does the research, Ben. I didn't realise you'd been hitting it as well. I need to up my game a bit. Well, you know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not having this anymore. I've, I've got to I've got to put the effort in and on all that jazz. But um, <laughs> it was Jamie Forrester who put us top, I think, didn't he? With the one yes. win. Yeah. So that's about where my research ends. So I'll let you take over. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So go on. Let's let's talk about Swindon. Yeah. Well, I've I've been having a look at Swindon because it's it's a really interesting tie, um, and they're a team that there's they're kind of meandering in the middle of the pack. They're actually above Newport now, which shows you how much Newport have fallen away. Um, they play a, a 4-2-3-1, so it's not dissimilar to what we were playing last season. Um, I know that we, you know, we were, at times we went to a 4-2-1-1 or whatever. Um, but they've got got some issues uh, of having arisen from the last week or two. Uh, they've lost the striker out of bio uh, and they've lost Stephen Alzati, who were both on loan. Um, between them, they'd played 25 and 22 games respectively. So there's 47 games immediately been taken out of their first team there. Uh, Ollie Lancashire, who started 19 times this season, he's out injured as well. Um, Sid Nelson, who's on loan from Millwall, centre-back, He's back at Millwall at the moment, injured, and they're trying to get a deal done, but it doesn't look like they're going to. So, but not in particularly good shape. Now, I'll come back to Adebayo in a minute because there's some comments from Richie Wellens, their manager, that I really want to pick up on. Um, but some positives for them. Uh, ben House has signed for them. He's a young lad who's come from Reading. Um, he's been doing really well in their under-23 side, and it's his first stab at senior football. So he's going to be making his debut. One would imagine from the bench, although there's an outside chance that he might start. Reason being that their two main strikers who they've, who they've got left, uh, Mark Richards, who's 36 years old, uh, I think he scored two in 13. Uh, he's kind of a robust striker, but he, he's not going to be nippy, so that's going to suit Shaxx and Bozzi. Uh, and Kane Woolery is the other one. He's a decent lad, but he's only just really got back into the side, and I think he scored once this season. So... Every chance that Ben House could play, uh, they brought a couple of other new lads in as well as a teenager just signed and, and somebody else. Um, but but that's the really significant team news. Now, going back to Adebayo, he's been on loan from Fulham. He's a 19-year-old. I think he was at Cheltenham last year. Uh, I think he's their second leading scorer at Swindon. But he's gone back to Fulham. They've recalled him. Now, he's been playing a lot. He's played 25 games for them. But Richie Wellens, uh, in, in his local media, when he returned to Fulham, has actually said, and I quote, In the last week of his spell here, he was late every day. He wants to learn, but he'll take information in for one or two days and forget that information. If he goes back and listens to Fulham's coaches, he can be a top player. His understanding of the game could be better. He didn't perform to the level I expected. Now, if you're a manager who wants to curry favour with a Premier League side and borrow their players, I don't really think that's the sort of assessment that you make publicly to the media. And no, you know, Wellens flopped at Oldham, 
And some Oldham fans questioned whether, you know, it was the situation rather than the man himself. That, to me, doesn't speak of a man who's got good man, man management skills. Um, probably won't affect us tomorrow. But the guys play, the kids played 25 games for them. He's 19 years old. That's just not the way that you treat somebody, I'm afraid. Not at all. No. No, I, I wasn't aware of that. And that's, um, yeah, that that's not really, as you say, half of uh, half of the the battles that you face in in football are going to be kind of you know with with the the man management side of things or you know if you're trying to curry favor or, or forge relationships and stuff like that and that's not the way that you're going to you're going to do it and that's yeah that's that's not a uh, a statement that I would have expected to hear a manager make um, particularly about you know a player that he's got on loan um that's that's poor from him there, but nineteen-year-old kid mm. as well. It's not just a player, is it? It's not. It's not like he's brought in a Jeff Horsfield or a Drew Broughton or somebody else. And what really gets me mm. is he didn't perform <clears throat> to the level I expected. Wellens didn't sign him. Phil Brown did. So it, I I think there's a personality clash there. I think that's there's an underlying issue. And for me, if there is a personality clash, and that's how he chooses to deal with it, I I just I look at Swindon and and I know that we sometimes talk about should we win, should we lose. This is a, a game that I think is there for us to take. Um, we're mm. coming off the back of a really good performance at Everton. You know, it's a bookend to uh, a really poor run of form, not in terms of results, but in terms of performances. We're poor against Newport, poor against Crew, we're poor against Port Vale, poor against Cambridge. And then Everton comes along and all of a sudden we see the Lincoln City that we can be and we should be. And you look at Swindon's mm. results and I think they failed to score in four of their last six. Um, they beat Macclesfield this weekend, which is routine isn't it it's like turning a light on when it's dark everyone does it um <laughs> but before that they've you know they've really struggled to think they lost 2-0 to Exeter this is the sort of game that we should be going and making it three wins out of three at the county ground uh, and next year it's something else that you can research hey yeah I, absolutely it's um I, I don't want to get into this trap of being you know that that um that moment of us going right, well, we should win this, but it's a game that I think we can win. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it is an absolutely winnable game, uh, and I think we should, uh, in an ideal world, be sitting here next week talking about uh, hopefully a, a decent three points. Yeah, and when you um, when when you consider, let's be honest, when you consider that Swindon are actually twelfth in the table and we're going away. Um, that's that's actually quite a bold statement for us to make. It's not like we're going away to someone who are near the bottom, like Crew, for instance. Um, but I, I just, yeah, with all the players they're losing as well, I, do, I just think um, I think it's there for us. And it's interesting. Um, I mean, are you, are you happy that we've we've wrapped Swindon up? Yeah, yeah, sure. Because it kind of leads me on a little bit because obviously they've signed Ben House and uh, Craig, who's a uh, you know, somebody I love to have a little verbal joust with every so often, has tweeted me earlier and said, "Are Lincoln City the only team in League Two who have failed to sign somebody at the moment?" Um, and obviously, my question to that is, does it matter? Genuinely, does it matter if ten days into the transfer window we've not signed anybody? For me, no. It matters if it's thirty first of January and we haven't. I don't know mm. what your thoughts were on that. Um, yeah, I think the the thing that Danny tries to do is he's. Um, I actually went back and I read um, I read an old piece on on the blog uh, this week actually, which was about uh, it's it's the infamous one with Steve Evans and his cocoa pops. Okay, yeah. Um, and in there you say about um, 
Danny is the kid with his, you know, uh, at Mans- Mansfield at the time when Evans was there. The Mansfield owner's given Steve Evans all his money. He's gone into the sweet shop and bought everything and he's trying to wolf it down as quickly as he can. And Danny's there going, well, I quite like that. I quite like that. And then he sees the new limited edition toy that he's not been able to afford. And then all of a sudden he's been able to. And then he's been, he's gone out and got it on the last day when he can get it. And I think that's what, that's what he does. Um, he's obviously come out and said as well that at the moment they're uh, the last in the chain or the bottom of the pile or whatever, however you want to, um, however you want to, you know, put it, he is Lincoln city at the moment are for the players they want to buy are not necessarily at the top of the tree when it comes to getting those players, um, whether it be financially, whether it be uh, personal reasons or whatever it is, you're not going to be, uh, players aren't necessarily going to want to presumably, and this is just me taking a stab at, you know, guessing where players are coming from. They're not going to want to come down a level if they can secure a deal higher up or wherever they want to be. Um, so it's, there is a little part of me that's going, it is a bit concerning that we've not signed anybody yet. But then at the same time, I think back to I think back to a couple of years ago, I think we signed Neil Early two days before deadline day, was it? A couple of years back? Ben, that little bit of you that's being concerned, put it in a bloody box. <laughs> Genuinely. Do you know, my dad said it earlier. I was at my dad's and he was the same. He said, oh, it's a bit concerning we haven't signed anybody. Why? There's no points for signing somebody on the 10th of January. Danny has... okay. We didn't sign a striker last January and that severely affected us. But we didn't sign him on the 10th of January and we didn't sign him on the 31st of January. It was nothing to do with not getting it wrapped up early. It was to do with not getting it wrapped up at all. So there's Mm. actually, there's absolutely nothing whatsoever, no benefit in my opinion whatsoever in wrapping business up on the 10th. People say, oh yeah, you've got it done. Yeah, brilliant. But have you got it right? Scunthorpe have signed, what, four or five players all within two or three days. Let's see where Scunthorpe finish. Let's see if those five players that Scunthorpe have signed actually get them into mid-table because people don't use that. We always say, I oh, wouldn't hindsight be brilliant, but people don't tend to ever actually apply it when they when they technically do have it. So like last transfer, uh, the summer transfer window, everybody was panicking and they were, they must have been because Danny rang me up and asked me why people were panicking. So people were panicking. But nobody's now looking back and going, oh, we shouldn't have panicked back then. Look at us. We've got a great squad. We've got FA Cup third round, top of the table by however many points. Nobody's actually saying that. What they're actually doing is doing exactly the same thing again. Oh, we haven't signed anybody on the 10th of January. Sort it out. Like I say, the little bit of you that, that thinks it, and I'll get shot down for this, is wrong. Anybody who's panicking because we haven't signed somebody on the 10th of January or the 11th of January when this goes out is wrong. That is, it's that simple. And you could, uh, people can come on social media, they can abuse me all they want. They can say, oh, it'd be good if we do this, we could do that. That's fact. It's wrong. If we don't sign it, if, if we haven't signed the right players by the 31st of January, then it's bad. And the 10th of January means absolutely sweet fuck all. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, you, you're right. And it's, it's just that, that niggling little bit of anxiety that's there where I just think, oh Christ, what's, you know, what's the, what's the hold up? What's the hold up? And it's always the way it's just, for me, it's, it's probably a personal thing where I'm just sort of, I get really anxious, you know, get really anxious about something. And then as soon as it happens, it's like, oh, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Uh, it's, it- do, you know what? do you know what I liken it to Ben? And I, and I think if you've ever done when you're traveling on a train and you've got your allocated seat and you're worrying if somebody's in it, 
Yeah. And then when you get there, they either go, sorry, I'm in your seat, or it's empty. And what you're worrying is that you get there, they pull a knife out and stab you. <laughs> yeah. It's, How often has that ever happened? Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I'm like 50 cent, but with a knife, I've been stabbed nine times. No. Um, I, I, yeah, it is exactly that. You know, you, you get worried about pretty much everything. But when it comes down to it, like I said, we signed Neil Early later in the window. We signed, yeah. we signed Lee Freckington relatively late on in the window, if I recall. Yep. Um, yep. We've signed Tom excellent Pet, players. Lovely. Yeah, you know, we signed excellent players very late on in the window. I think the only player that we've ever signed in recent memory very early on in the window that has gone on to be very, very well-respected and very well-liked is Bruno Andrade. I think he was the first signing that we got last year. And I think we actually had this conversation a while back where um, we said after the you know after the window had closed, after we'd started a few games and everyone went, oh, cool, Um Bruno's looking really good. And then there was all of that, like you say, the hand waving and, and everyone sort of panicking a little bit about, we've not signed anybody, we've not signed anybody. Well, no, hang on a minute, we've signed Bruno Andrade. And he's proven to be one of the best players that we've got in the squad. So, Greedy kids at Christmas, next, next, next. What's my next present? What am I going to unwrap now? <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. <clears throat> I'll pan out. If it gets to January the 31st and we've signed nobody, I'll be unhappy. But do you know what? I still won't actually panic because I don't believe there's... I hope in hell that Danny will get to the 1st of February without signing anybody at all. And I actually believe that this squad that we have now, even if we signed nobody, this squad that we have now would still be capable of finishing in the top three. Uh, I can't say I disagree with you. Um, there will be plenty that will, no doubt. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I that's not saying I want the same squad. <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, want no. people messaging me when we sign someone. Going, oh, we've signed someone. No, we'll get you up on it because I don't. Obviously, I want us to sign players. We're going to talk about a couple of them in a minute. But the the point that I'm making is, as Lincoln fans, we, we're constantly waiting for the bubble to burst, aren't we? Yeah. Um, who have we signed? Who have we signed? Oh, it's all going to go wrong. It's all going to go wrong. And we'll cite the one time that it did go wrong. People go, we didn't sign anyone last January and we didn't go up. No, we made the playoffs and when we didn't sign people you said we weren't gonna make the playoffs so i wouldn't check trade trophy do you know what i mean yeah. check trade trophy's taking everything away we're not gonna make the playoffs because of that and mm, we did though didn't we so you know and yeah hands up against exeter i thought we we were we were probably short a couple of players to be fair so it kind of proves the point because we didn't go up but yeah it's we 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 we, we reached the level that we wanted to reach which was the playoffs and okay it was one step too far but yeah I just it just frustrates me, mate. To be honest, no, I, I, I just I, think I get it. I absolutely get it. I think it's. Um, I, I just think it's in terms of, like I say, from a personal point of view, there's just that little bit of, oh well, I've seen it go wrong before, and I, I, I don't want it to go wrong again. It's it's just that, it's just that little tiny, you know, niggling little feeling, like I say. But uh, yeah. let's uh, let's move on to some of the uh, the rumored targets that we've got then. So. Um, I think we've obviously Mr. McAntony has uh, been quite quite vocal as he always is on uh, on social media, and he's implied that we've had a bid accepted for um, a Peterborough player. Now, nothing confirmed as to who it is, but I think Danny's confirmed that in his press conference today and said, "Yes, we have had a bid accepted, but there's no movement on it at the minute." So, um, there's a couple of names in the hat for this one, isn't there? There's one name in the hat now, and that's because um, 
is it either Football League Zone or Peter O'Rourke have tweeted it, and they're two people who nine times out of ten get it right. There's a lot of crap accounts on Twitter. EFL Hub, we're going to loan out Ellis Chap. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to EFL Hubs. Don't listen to anyone claiming to be an ex-agent. Don't listen to any of that. Peter O'Rourke, Football League Zone, they're the two to follow. And whichever one of them it is, I said it's Mark O'Hara. Cool. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't care if a bloke who works down the pub who's got a physio whose mum's sister's dog came from Barry Fry's uncle or whatever. I don't care about any of that. If one of those two guys says it, there's some substance in it. So um, we're talking about six-foot central midfielder, box-to-box man, threat in both areas, ginger, which we're desperately short of at the moment. We haven't got anywhere near <laughs> enough gingers in the side. Um, represent. Um, played to very good level in Scotland. I think he was a Rangers youth, um, and that comes from memory when Steve Evans signed him. Now, Steve was obviously salivating when he signed him, but Steve salivates whenever he's within 100 yards of a food outlet, and I think there's a couple at Peter United's ground. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he gets excited about the very slightest things. It must be really fun for Mrs. Evans when he doesn't have anything to do because he's very easily excitable. Um <laughs> But O'Hara looks like a good player and he looks like the sort of player that would carry us forward. Um, the question mark is the, the whole dropping down into League Two because there were, <clears throat> he, he, he insinuated in his interview when he when he joined Peterborough that he didn't really want to drop into League One, but it was what, the gaffer's plans and, um, I don't know, something else, an envelope of some description. I can't remember what he said. <laughs> um, big, big bag of money. Um, but no, in a, on a serious note, very, very interesting. The fact is, central midfielder interests me, mm. particularly um, because we've got four who are really good and it surprises me that we're looking for another one unless it's with a view to playing him a little bit more advanced in the Shane McCartan role. Um, but what would you, how do you see that one panning out? So I'm not overly familiar with him as a player, but from what I've read about him since the um since the you know the, the rumors have started he it does seem like he'll be very useful and i think the this it's that voice inside me again just going oh shane mccarton's going back and he's going to be the replacement i think that's that's what's sitting in my head and that's what i'm that's what i'm leaning towards um it sounds like he's very capable in in where he plays it sounds like he's a very decent player for you know, for 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 a well, League One team, let alone a League Two team. Uh, so, if he does indeed come to uh, come to Central Bank, I think he'll be a, a decent signing. Uh, where he fits in, like I say, if he's if he's going to be playing that McCartan role and being able to feed uh, feed through to John Kindy, yeah, I I think that might be where he fits in. But I can't see him displacing any of the other midfielders that we've got in the middle at the minute. I can't see McCartan going back. If you look at a lot of the lower league teams at the minute, the team, the players that are being recalled have been recalled. Um, I, I'll probably end up with egg on my face when it's announced tomorrow uh, as the blog comes out, or not the blog, bloody hell, um, the podcast <laughs> yeah. even. Um, but I can't see McCartan going back. There's been no noises from Bradford that that's going to be the case. They're on a good run. They've got a big squad anyway. Um, I just, I can't see it. If he's not going to go there and contribute straight away, they may as well leave him with us until the end of the season and then uh, and then take him back and, and maybe cash in. But at the minute, I can't see it. I think O'Hara is a purchase with the end of season in mind. And I think if you look back to last season, when we brought in Tom Pett, Tom Pett, was, Tom Pett was relatively ineffective up until we oval on the last game of the season. And I think Mark O'Hara is, a, if it is Mark O'Hara, um, is the sort of player that we would be bringing in to integrate into the side, ready for League One next season. Bear in mind, this is a kid that scored 
three goals in two games at the beginning of the season for Peterborough. Their fans were raving about him. Yeah, and I think that's the it, it's it's the uh, it's the philosophy that Danny keeps putting out, isn't it? We're not going to bring anybody in unless they'll significantly improve the squad. So I think you could be right. I think he, he's got one eye on the end of the season. Um, does that, that? But then does that bring moving on to Kean Bolger? I hope I hope I pronounced that correct. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, that, isn't it? Because you you just said it. Danny said he don't bring anyone in unless they significantly strengthen the side. And yet Kean Bolger is a right-sided centre-back of which we already have two, Michael Boswick and James Wilson. We already have four competent centre-backs at the moment, if you include Wharton and Shackle. Wharton hasn't been recalled or sent back as yet either. Um, interesting one, do you think, though? I personally think that if this happens, if Bolger does come in, I think we could see James Wilson leaving shortly afterwards. Um, or if that's not the case and Wilson stays, I could potentially see Bozzy moving upwards and sitting behind a, a midfield. Um, again, who he displaces, I don't know. Uh, I think with a with a fully fit Bruno Andrade and a fully fit Harry Anderson, um, both of, well, both on form, I think this sort of experimental 4-3-3 that we've been playing could work really well. I think it's we've struggled with it over the uh, over the Christmas period because I don't think Bruno's been fully fit, and I think that was evident last week when we you know we were at Goodison and he there was a moment in the second half where he started walking back to uh, the centre circle and he, he was clutching at his uh, clutching at his leg and just limping a little bit. So I think that if we have a decent um, or a decent run of form with with uh, with, with the wingers. Maybe that four three three will work, and I think then at that point you could potentially bring in a new centre back and push Bozzy up into the holding role, which I think is I'd like to see that happen again because I personally, if I was uh, an an opposing midfielder or somebody that was trying to break through our midfield, I would probably shit my pants if I saw Michael Boswick stood in front of Jason Shackle um, and you know, a row of other defenders. It would be uh, quite an interesting one. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think we've been playing a four-three-three, dear? Well, if you look at the lineup, um, the when we've when we played, you know, with essentially with John as a lone striker, um, it's you've got the ability to to push Bruno and uh, Harry up as as the right and left sided uh, attackers, and it's it's kind of been a four-five-one, four-three-three. If they want to push up, that's. We've tried. We've tended to pack the midfield a little bit more, and it was quite evident against. Oh, where was it the other day? It wasn't Cambridge. Um, Port Vale. Yeah, I think it might have been the Vale game where it was. It, it seemed like we were trying to. We were either trying to pack the midfield or push Harry and Bruno up a bit further. Um, as I say, it it's kind of an experimental one. But, Fair yeah. enough. Um, I've been touching back onto the Bolger thing. It's something that nobody's really considered or, or one person has considered um, other than me. Jason Shackle's married to an American lady. Right. He's 35 years old. He's played Premier League football, Championship football. Last year he was earning in the region of £30,000 uh, a week. This year he's probably earning around 1500 a week. Um, when does the Major League Soccer kick off? March, April time. Mm. Could there be a call there for one last payday in America? He'd be the sort of player that would go there. He's the sort of player that 
um, would be attractive over in that league. I think the pace would suit him. Are we looking at Keon Bolger with one eye on potentially Shackle going? I don't think he'd go to anyone else in, in England. I don't think we would lose him to Mansfield or anything ludicrous like that. But, you know, that having that American wife, and the, uh, don't, as, don't ask you to look up anybody's wives on Twitter, but, you know, some of us do. Um, <laughs> It wasn't me, to be fair. Actually, it was one of my uh, one of my Twitter followers um, actually kind of pointed it out and, and floated the notion. So it's this isn't my idea. I'm not going to claim it, but it's an interesting one because you know he's a great player, and somebody said to me that he could probably play Premier League football still if he had a, a Zuma next to him. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but one issue that we have had is, is pace at the back. And I really felt for a while that Bulger was probably going to be that man who was coming in to add pace at the back. Then I spoke to a Fleetwood fan and he's not going to be adding pace at the back at all because he's was described as a brilliant footballer pedestrian. Hmm. In that he's not quick, but he's, you know, he heads, he tackles, he's a great centre-half, shouldn't be available to Lincoln City. Um, but, you know, he's not going to beat you in a foot race. He'll beat me and you in a foot race, but he's not going to beat Andrade, for instance, in a foot race. So... Um, yeah, it's interesting. It, again, it could be with a view to the end of the season, League One, Wilson going at the end of the season, Wharton going back at the end of the season. Bear in mind, this is a right-footed centre-back as well. So it does kind of cast doubt on the whole shackle thing because it'd be a left-footed centre-back that was coming in to replace him. Mm. Um, but again, the sort of player that will significantly improve Lincoln City. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, shall we move yeah. on to? Yes. Sorry, go on. What were you going to say? No, I was, was going to say that that's that's probably a decent point to, to to leave that one. So yeah, we'll move on. Well, there's one more player I'm really keen to talk about, and I've I've spoke about him in one of those gallery articles that some people get mad at, and I, I know one. Uh, I don't know if he listens to the uh, podcast, but I know Steve O'Dare on Facebook would. He's never happy when we're talking about rumours and half truths and theories. He wants solid transfer news. I haven't got any for him at the moment, but there's a rumour theory here. George Grant. Now, we all know who George Grant is. He's brilliant. He's superb for Notts County last year. Probably the difference between Notts County finishing 10th and where they did last year. Mm. I think he chipped in with 15 goals, half as many assists on top of that. He's tricky. He's quick. He can go left. He can go right. He can play centre forward, left side, I think, or right side, whichever one it is. So on the flank, he can drop back into the Shea McCartan role. Really exciting player. Mm. Played 13, started 13 League One games for Luton this season. And his contract has just been ripped up by Aitor Karanka at Luton. And he's taken him back to Forest with a view to loaning him back out. Now, the Forest management situation is quite fluid at the moment. I believe we're talking and Karanka hasn't been sacked as yet, but there's a lot of talk that he might be. If he's not, and therefore if George Grant is going back out on loan, for me, he's one player that we absolutely have to prioritise getting in at Lincoln. And I know there's been some criticism, people saying, well, he's played 13 teams for games for side top of League One. Why would he come here? So he could play 26, which is how many, I think, teams in League One have played. He started half the games at Luton um, and he hasn't played since the middle of December. Comes here and then, yeah, I love Sean McCartan. He's a really nice lad. Spoke to him on a couple of occasions. George Grant plays behind John Akindi. And I'll tell you something, Akindi hits 20 goals, no doubt whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, that that would be a, an absolutely phenomenal signing if we could uh, if we could get him. Um, even if, it, well, I would imagine that is, you know, in terms of signing him permanently would never happen due to wages and all the rest of it. But to get him on loan till the end of the season, I'm 
there's no doubt that he would fire us to where we need to be. Um, he was phenomenal last season from from what I saw of him. Um, and yeah, I'd well, he, he changed the county side, didn't he? Um, I think there was it got to I think it got to last January, and uh, all of the um, all of the Notts County fans started uh, getting a bit twitchy. Um, so it, I'd love to see it. I really would. Uh, if I'm brutally honest, I can't see it happening, but I would absolutely love to see it. Um, yeah. Uh, bring well, that, I'm, I'm pinning a reputation way. on this, aren't I? So <laughs> I've kind of, I can see it happening. I'll be honest. I can see it happening because um, we've seen it time and again from Danny Cowley, who who would have seen Lee Frecklington sign for us when he was playing for a team top of the league one last season, because he was, mm. who would have seen James Wilson, playing for Walsall half of last season. That last season's transfer window is every bit an indication of what we're going to do this season mm. because Danny went into League One for Wilson. He went into League One for Lee Frecklington and it was only Tom Pett who had been performing very well for Stevenage that he brought in, I believe, from our division as well as a couple of loan players, Wharton and um, the keeper, Allsop, Brian Allsop. Yeah. Um, but you see then there's also Sam Surridge as well, which... Yeah, I've not heard anything to suggest that we are in for Surridge, but we have the relationship with Eddie Howe. He's just done very well uh, at Oldham. He's good at Yeovil. I mean, I did like the lad Olamola that was at Yeovil as well, but I've done a little bit of digging and he played one game for Scunthorpe. So uh, mm. there'd be no chance of him coming out on loan. Same reason we can't get Stefan Payne. And one of the numerous reasons that we won't get Christian Deutsch, um, mm. the others being it's never, ever, ever going to happen. Um, but can we finish by talking about um, Stale Vince over at uh, Stale Mints, rather, over at FDR, please? I am really glad that you said that because I really wanted to talk about this as well because the situation there, I, I putting aside the whole, I don't like Forest Green, I don't like Dale Vince, I don't really like that club as a whole. Putting that aside, this is incredibly shitty from Bolton. If what has been presented is accurate. Now, I'm led to believe it probably is because I saw the Bolton chairman's reaction and he kind of brushed it off in the first sentence. Went, yeah, we've been told by the EFL we can't do stuff. But look, Dale Vince is a wanker. And I was like, yeah, he is. He is, but you, you've kind of skirted around some stuff. Anyway, yeah, let's let's talk about it because it's, it's just, it's a farce, isn't it? Well, you've taken a different angle to me. I was going to use it to point out why Vince is a wanker. Um <laughs> Selling T-shirts, no can do at Forest Green. Yeah, that, that to whole raise money for ridiculous. their supporters club. What what a bell end! And okay, offering the free pint, fair enough. But it's like Ken said last uh, earlier uh, last year, July, June, July last year. Eco Tristy made forty five people redundant. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think he's ploughed six million in over three years. Six million pound. I would imagine those 45 people could have probably lived on that if they divided it up amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Probably could have lived on it if they divided up less than half of it, a quarter of it, a tenth of it amongst themselves. I just think Ken Anderson is a vile man. I think he's ruining Bolton. feel sorry for them. But I think this is just the case of two vile people clashing. Um, he says Dale Vince is the strangest man he's ever met in football. He says that the issue with Doidge, uh, and Vince has made said one thing, but he kind of he said the issue with Doidge is actually that Delvin's tried to renegotiate a deal because he realised he'd negotiated a bad deal in the first instance. That's what Ken Anderson has said. 
said that uh, there was a payment due and it was due later this month. Bolton was still planning on making that payment, but Vince has, has basically said no. And he's gone on this media offensive. And because they're Forest Green, the little club on the hill and all of that sort of stuff, it, it's kind of been taken. Oh, look at them. Aren't they great? Look, they're standing by Bolton. Bollocks. He don't care one bit about Bolton or the supporters club. There. He cares about Forest Green Rovers. He's only apply, asking Bolton fans to go down there and watch him because he can't get people in Forest Green to go and watch him. Or if he can, <laughs> that old nail's worth. I don't, I, you know what? And I just think releasing T-shirts, slandering another chairman, irrespective of whether that chairman's a dick or not, I don't care. He, he probably is, he probably isn't. But for a football club to release T-shirts saying another that about another chairman, I think it's absolutely disgraceful. The FA should take action. And then Anderson as well, because Anderson, whatever, whatever's gone on, both of those, they, neither of those are fit and proper people. Thank God we've got Clive Nates. Yeah. Hundred percent, and that's the thing that um, that's the thing that makes me just sit back and and watch this from afar and just think I am so pleased that we've got the teams in that we have, so that we don't have to put up with this kind of like puerile and petty shit that's going on. Um, the <clears throat> excuse me, the, the the way that it was framed in the first instance was obviously um, Dale Vince put up. Of all things, instead of a press release or whatever, it was a Facebook post because that's how business is done in the 21st century, um, saying that uh, as of Monday, Christian's back at Forest Green. He's coming back. He's not going to be um, at Bolton anymore. He's not been paid his wages. He's not been, you know, he's not had this. He's not had this. Now, I did notice in Ken's response that there was no denial that he'd not had his wages he'd not had there was nothing there that said oh we have paid his wages and Dale Vince is lying about this there was a few allegations that were denied and fairly strenuously denied so from that I would probably sit there and go okay uh, the, the whole situation with Bolton is is a mess it, it's quite clearly a mess the EFL have had to take action and and all the rest but the the reaction from Dale Vince as you you know, as you say, is ridiculous. Um, it's yeah, yeah, he's he's well out of order, and I, I think if he'd have left it with the initial post of this is what's happened, Christian's coming back, uh, Bolton haven't paid his wages. End of discussion. That's it. I think it would have sat a lot better with with everybody. And like I said, I've I've got no hesitation in saying what I think about Forest Green as a club. I don't I don't like them. I don't like what Vince has done to that club. I don't like the I don't like the manager. I don't like some of the fans. I don't like a lot of things about, you know, like you say, the little club on the hill. But the way that this has all panned out, if it is as reported, I think Bolton have got some serious questions to answer. And I think it's disgusting. Um because essentially they've got They've had a striker for what four or five months, and yes, he scored one goal, but he's a striker that could have been a part of their squad for a while. And my understanding is that you know Christian Doidge has bought a house in Bolton, he's moved his family up there, he's done everything to make sure that everything has it, um, everything was in place for him to restart his career or move his career on, um, and that's all fallen apart. Now, rivalries aside, as a as a human being to another human being, that's horrendous, and I feel for him. But as a Lincoln City fan looking at Forest Green situation, I've just got to laugh. Yeah, 
I'm, I just can't come out and support Forest Green. I feel for the boy Doge, but I think he's just the victim of two people in a in some sort of little power struggle. Yeah, don't really get it. I just I don't even think that Vince needed to come on and say uh, Bolton haven't paid his wages. It's not the sort of thing that goes out. Fees go about as undisclosed now. So for a chairman to start coming out and saying stuff like that, no, I, I I should be seeing it in a different way. I know I should. Ken Anderson's obviously a vile man, and his he's stewardship of Bolton is probably only slightly more popular than the owner at Charlton and the owner at Blackpool. But um, you know, I, do, I just think Vince is I do, I do, the whole thing's distasteful, and that's yeah. it's the selling the t-shirts, mate. That's got me. It, it really is. It's like us going out there and selling t-shirts now, going Fenty is a bell end. Come and buy them, and we'll give all the money to the Grimsby Sports Trust. I, I just. It is. It's the same sort of thing. It, uh, ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Like yeah. me, It's like me and you selling Radio Linkshire t-shirts, isn't it? Michael Horton speaks I, crap. Buy these and we'll give, the money, we'll give the money to the tea fund for the people in the Radio Lincolnshire offices. It's <laughs> insulting. It is. I don't, you know, I'm not saying any more on it. I think we must nearly be there now, are we? 51 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a decent place to, to wrap yeah. it up. Um, so, yes, we will see you uh, next Thursday. We were aiming to get this one up for Thursday, but uh, Gary's been a very busy boy this week, so we've we've struggled to, yeah. to get together. Um, and, yeah, hopefully that should do it. Anything you uh, – I don't know what happened there. I was just speaking in tongues. Um, anything you want to plug this week? No, not really. I've got the, some of the fanzine, the Christmas special, still going to be on sale on the 19th against Grimsby, but um, do bear that in mind. I've got about a box and a half. Very good read, uh, albeit a month late. So. <laughs> it is indeed. I've uh, I've got a copy. I went through it the other day. It's very enjoyable. Um, and uh, yeah, that's probably a decent place to stop. So we will see you guys next week. I uh, hope we have a good result at the weekend and then it's Grimsby. Mm. <laughs> See you later, guys. See you Bye. It's the 90th minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.